the very things that individuals love that helps them be in a flow state, things like, I know how the thing that I am doing ladders to a higher goal. I am being rewarded in real time for the things that I am doing. And I am being, the distractions are being cleared away. Those are the same things that are engagement drivers. So, you know, if, for, for those who run engagement surveys, lots of companies do that. They'll be very familiar with the, those questions around um, that, that are the most important in the engagement survey. And, and what I described is kind of those. So there are benefits that play at the individual um, you know, flow state, lack of nonsense, get your great job done, team, more efficient, better handoffs, hit their goals, want to work together again. And then the output is an efficient and engaged organization. Engaged organizations do their best work. That's Alex Hood, the head of product at Asana, who is explaining why he's passionate about what he's doing at Asana and the technology that the company is building. Tech was an early passion for Alex, and after his father got him interested in computers, there was no turning back. On this episode of IT Visionaries, Alex tells his story and dives into how Asana is changing the way work is managed in companies around the world. Enjoy this episode. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce Customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. This podcast is created by the team at mission.org. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we are at Asana HQ. Alex, what's going on? Hey, thanks for having me. It is super exciting to talk to you today. We are going to talk all about collaboration, task management, stuff that uh, how work shouldn't be work uh, and uh, work shouldn't be chaos. One of the things that I thought was really interesting is, and we can get into this in a little bit, but the amount of growth that you've had globally in other markets. Uh, you know, this podcast is in, uh, I believe, 129 different countries. Uh, we definitely have a global audience, um, and I think, you know, part of the part of the thing that's so cool about Asana, we're Asana customers, so this is all it hits home to us as a media company because we have so many different things that that need to get managed. Um, but it's such a clear need for companies and teams across the world, especially when we're collaborating, uh, you know, in, in real time in all these different time zones. And that's part of the problem that I think, you know, from, uh, one of our, one of our, uh, our, our guests that we have, uh, come on Aaron, who's a PM over at Lowe's, um, you know, you have calls with people all over the world, right? Like, you know, your calendar as a PM could be, uh, literally 24 seven. Right. And so you need to have some sort of, some sort of technology that can allow those conversations to not happen and get distracted or have, like you said, the infinite Slack pings or the infinite email pings. Yeah. I have a lot of empathy for that. I worked in a role one time where the PM and design team were all in Mountain View. Um, and all the engineers on the team were in Bangalore. And that's a 12 and a half hour time difference. So it was just ridiculously inconvenient to do something that was synchronous. 
Um, so there's there's better ways out there. Um, and thankfully, there's more tools out there that help with distributed teams. But there's kind of a warning around collaboration software generally. Um, when you look at productivity rates, you know, it's growing a few percent a year. But you look at collaboration rates. So that is like the actual number of messages generated. That's rising exponentially. So it's actually taking us more and more back and forth to get the same incremental unit of goodness made. So that's what's kind of scary. It's just like maybe it take where it used to take two or three back and forths. Now it takes nine. That um, actually feels like it's more draining on information workers and distributed teams instead of actually serving them. So we focus on making sure that there really is a clear plan of record. Like there, a task or a project is clearly defined into tasks. People collaborate and they kind of create the um, the plan of record together by commenting on a specific task. Um, there's just if everybody's clear on what they're doing, how it actually puts wind in the sails of the team, um, how it unlocks the next teammate to do the right thing, and then how all that work ladders up to the strategy, that's enormously unlocking for teams. And it's it's uh, rehabilitating for teams who might feel like it's very difficult to get into any kind of flow with a team that's 12 and a half hours away, for instance. Yeah, do you think, I, I want to go back to the, what you said about kind of like the rise of, uh, of more messaging. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's kind of two things kind of going on here. The first is that people who didn't have a channel to like chit chat with each other now kind of can make like kind of idle conversation. Like I know for our team, cause we're, we're a remote team at mission. Um, like a lot of our communication is just kind of like you know, chit chat about different sort of stuff, Cat gifts. fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's gifts. Yeah. Um, which is like culture building stuff. It's sure. super important, it uh, when you're, when you're remote and you can actually build like relationships with people that way, um, which is fun. And then the counterpoint to that is that all of those additional messages actually detract from the tasks, like you said, and clearly delineating, the tasks. And I think that what you kind of have here, whether it's via email or, you know, GDocs or, um, you know, or Slack or, or whatever, or your Salesforce, whichever, those things were not created to be project management tools. They were created for other things. And then they kind of, you know, evolve into other things. So how do, you know, if you're a technology leader and you're trying to get everyone focused on the tasks at hand, what are some of the best practices that you've seen uh, that are people that people are able to, to accomplish with Asana? Well, we think that the best teams have three sets of tools to collaborate. Number one, they have a place where content lives. So GDocs or um, Microsoft 360. Um, second, they have a place where they can chat or communicate. Um, that's messaging applications and email. There's still very much a place for that. As you said, it's culture enhancing. Um, people need to get to know each other, particularly on distributed teams. But then there's another piece, which is like the, the where purpose, plan, and responsibility actually lives. And we call that work management. That's an evolving category in which Asana is helping, that Asana is helping to build now. Um, what the CAT gifts and messaging is important. Uh, the back and forth camaraderie building is important, but the work elements that get kind of like interspersed with that get lost very easily. 
Um, similarly, docks play a very important role in planning, but docks can't be the place where all the action items live, right? Because docks become stale, they become unfindable, um, and and having a plan of record be kind of in a comment in a dock fails teams. So there is a role for something that's a third thing. Um, it's the thing where everybody has a clear sight of what they need to do and what's next, what's next for the team, and like what is the current plan of record? What is the current status of things without having to have a status phone call or a status meeting? Um, that is another way for uh, technology to serve teams in a better way. Um, the thing that has to happen, though, is that work management has to be deeply integrated with where messages live and where content lives. So that when a chat comes along, say a Slack message of, hey, well, let's change course and do this. It's got to be one click to get that new plan into Asana. So that's why we've invested a lot with Slack in um, integrations that are really deep. You know, same with Office 365 and uh, with Google Suite. Yeah, I want to talk about integrations for a second. Um, obviously, you know, Asana built in the cloud for you know companies that are um, looking for a, a SaaS tool. Um, tons of integrations. How do you look at integrating with a lot of different tools and building the product in a way that allows people to choose whether it's platform or best of breed or whatever it is? Mm -hmm. Well, I think for folks who I'm going to take a technical answer here. I think yeah. for folks who want to use the Asana UI as a place to organize and manage their team or participate on their team, that's fine. Um, I do think that we have a, our robust API matters as well. So I'm not dead set against everybody needing to use the UI to get value of having a place where like the purpose plan responsibility actually lives. Um, what matters the, the most is that the work is connected to the plan. Because remember, we talked about those old days with project management offices. Basically, those are people who are separated from the work, going around and counting noses to see yep. how everybody's doing. Well, with cloud computing, great integrations, great APIs, data around the work actually can flow seamlessly up into the plan, become part of the plan. You know, I say this because Dustin Moskovitz and Justin Rosenstein created Asana. They're the, the, the co-founders. They're also the folks who created the social graph over at Facebook. And Dustin's a co-founder of Facebook. There's corollary. We think that we're creating the work graph here. And the work graph is a, a relational database of activities, tasks, projects, people, teams, decisions, milestones, events, um, where no matter where you are in the hierarchy, you can see the things that you need to see in real time. And that only happens when the plan, Asana, is deeply connected to the work, which is why um, we have a robust open platform. What I think is so interesting about this as well is, um, is the idea that it can work for a team or it could work for a company, like from the enterprise standpoint. Um, and that either of those are kind of like wins, right? Because I think, you know, when we talk to a lot of CIOs about, you know, the idea of shadow IT or business functions requesting things, um, how do you govern those things? How do you make sure that they're secure? All the stuff that we kind of alluded to earlier. Um, 
that getting that bottom-up refinement from teams on what they want, and as a CIO, being able to you know, pattern match and say, okay, two of our teams are using this. Maybe we should recommend this to some other teams as something that they should look into and demo and, and try to figure out. Um, when you're talking to, you know, IT leaders about, you know, when you, they've kind of realized, okay, this is in our company four different ways. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe we should start looking at this. I'm curious, like, what are those conversations like? How does the the scope of work as it becomes an enterprise product change when it's not just kind of the disparate teams? We see, and our largest customers start to tell us that we become more like company infrastructure of how work actually gets done. Yeah. Um, something more akin to like a, an office suite, but not replacing it, um, being a complement to it. Um, it becomes the, the system of record and it's a living system of record because it's always up to date in real time because it's con- deeply connected to the work of, um, of the work. And the beauty of having the work interconnected and in, in something that like the work graph is, you know, no matter if you're the Eastern region vice president of something of a sales division or the head of product or an individual contributor engineer on a product team, you know the information that you need to know um, at your specific level of, of abstraction. And that kind of is a new benefit. When we talk to teams um, and we talk to companies, the, the benefits that we hear back operate on three levels. For an individual, there's less, frankly, BS about their work. Like there's less, there's fewer status meetings. There's less trolling through email, relying on spreadsheets to do project management, getting tapped on the shoulder by your manager, looking for status updates. They're actually able to experience more like the flow state of work. They, they spend more of their time doing what they're passionate about. Um, gosh, we, we just ran a survey on our customers and we found that, um, Four and a half hours out of a week of the average average information worker's time is spent on repetitive tasks. All that stuff could be totally automated in Asana. Yeah. Oh no, we just one well, to add to that too. Um, we just had a guy from UiPath on talking about RPA, oh. robotic processing, and so like you take RPA yeah. plus Asana, for example, and uh-huh. now you're talking about being able to automate all of the work that the PMs were doing and now changing those meetings into creative meetings. Content. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. And I just, you know, I I'm inspired because I look out the windows and I just think of, man, if we can get a couple hours back a week for information workers to do more creative things and less of the things that are, that drag them down. Wow. That's amazing. So more flow and concentration on creativity for, for workers than for teams, frankly, more efficiency because you know who's doing what by when. Um, the handoffs are very, very smooth. And there's more trust because you're not asking each other as much like, hey, when are you going to get that done? It's all very, very, very clear in Asana. When you have folks who are able to do their best work, you have teams that are running efficiently, hitting their goals and wanting to work with each other again. Those are the drivers of high engagement. So that's a company-wide thing. Now. Yeah. That's an organization-wide thing. You know, it's funny. So an anecdote for this that we've realized recently, I was just having a call yesterday with our VP of operations, and we were talking about, we have a Monday meeting, uh, essentially like a, what we call content sync, stand-up meeting, uh, to like basically talk through 
what all of our producers are looking at. Right. And so what's funny is like, we've had this conversation about, is this meeting really even useful? Like what it, what it was created to do was to like track where we were at, but now we kind of know where we're at. And now it's like, well, do we need this meeting anymore? And the idea is like, oh, we still need the meeting. We just need to change what the meeting is for. And the meeting should be for, you know, brainstorming ideas, cross-promoting best practices, like, you know, lessons learned, things like that, um, which, you know, is important to get human beings on the phone, you know, on video calls to see each other and talk about that stuff and less of just like, where is this at? Mm-hmm. Um and I always thought, you know, in my time in the military, we always, we would do, you know, PowerPoint, you know, meetings, we would do like our weekly uh, meetings. And it was always like, you know, we know red, if you see red on a slide, it means bad, right? Like we know that. But the question is always asked like, but why is it red, right? And so like, those are the questions that I think we can answer in meetings is like, what, what are the things that got us to the point of why it's late rather than like figuring it out? whether if it is late or not. Right. It's like, it gets you to more impact. Um, I'm curious. So do you find that those type of like creative meetings and those type of feedback that you're getting from customers, like that they're freeing up time or they, they are doing things, uh, they are changing the way that they're working internally. Yeah. You just described a really interesting transition. So, now that these things are in Asana, we're using Asana, do we actually even need the meeting anymore? Yeah. The way that we see that work is folks start to, teams start to use Asana and they project it on the screen and then they work through yeah. Asana together. And then the aha comes, well, do we even need to have the meeting? Because we're basically doing a lot of this stuff, synchronous that could be done async using the tool. Um, and then you get some time back. Um, we've seen that as a pattern over and over again. When I, I spend about six hours a week doing product reviews. So like seeing how the new next set of features are going to come up, working with teams and um, doing design reviews. I don't talk about status whatsoever in those meetings because we use this on all day, every day. I know the status before I walk in because I'm able to see inside the tool. So then when a team comes in, we talk 100% about content. And I don't need to get on the same page of like, hey, why is this moving so slowly? Um, or being uh, surprised by the results or knowing what the dependency is or if a team is blocked. I kind of come in with that information. And it makes us do more co-creation in the moment, uh, which is more fun. So what about AI and machine learning? Um, how, what's, what's next for, for those on how they can help teams collaborate and, and ultimately do, do more work or do less work at work, <laughs> do yeah. less work on work? Yeah, great question. Um, there's a lot of AI and ML talk that seems whimsical, but I do think that there's some... I love whimsy. So. Okay, well, good. <laughs> There are some ways where I do think it could really help. I think that, you know, I described the work graph before, and I think that if Asana knows maybe what your boss's priorities are, what the company priorities are, and how the company is progressing towards a priority, it should be able to help you with your own priorities. That's a, a particular use case. I also think that Asana should be able to pattern match and recognize when things are going well or when there's warning signs. The thing you hate about work as being a person who's in charge of things is when surprises happen. 
So what if Asana could help root out some, some surprises by knowing that, hey, you know, that person's actually going to be out of the office or this person usually signs up for stuff and 60% of the time they don't get it done on time. There should be some ways to create some heuristics around um, project success that actually leads companies to hit their goals more often. So that's one example. Another thing that's really interesting about uh, small businesses and teams is just the 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 actual capabilities around machine learning and AR and AI are available free or at a variable cost. And it used to be the case that maybe you had to have a laboratory of people who are doing experiment, experiments and it was only available to IBM and, and some others. But now the democratization of AI and ML capabilities or APIs out there where any new startup can just grab translation capabilities uh, from Google and then they can have a mobile application that is worldwide, out of the box. That's such a big leap forward and such a, a bar- uh, removes a big barrier to, uh, to entry to having some of these like smarter capabilities that are just offered uh, from some of the biggest providers. It's funny. So you mentioned how um, it can kind of give you those like insights to how people are bef- like performing, behaving, things like that. I think the other thing which is really important that you mentioned earlier was about like nested priorities with coming from the top. And that's where one of those things where you're like, do you realize how much organizational, like we spend 31% of our organizational like effort on something that's like not a core business priority. And I always think that as you can audit yourself, it's just so tough right? And most people don't have the money to pay, you know, Deloitte and whoever to to audit themselves. But with AI and ML, like looking at your software, looking at your collaboration, doing those sort of things, any insights to that, to how you work is a huge benefit to CIOs and technology leaders. Because if you're going to the business units and sharing how much time they're wasting uh, or, you know, going to your CEO and saying like, Hey, I know you said that this was a priority. Do you know that like 6% of our work is done on that big priority that you had for 2020 or whatever it is? Like those are really good insights and, and gives you ammo to be able to make changes with budget and things like that. You're onto a fascinating topic. Um, we just ran a survey on the anatomy of work as we were starting to think about some of the new features that we're launching. Um, And we surveyed 10,000 information workers and we asked them, hey, how much of your time do you spend on these activities, which we'll label work about work? Things like preparing for status meetings, trolling through email, looking for the the latest uh, plan, um, creating spreadsheets for plans. They self-reported 30% of the time. But then we actually asked them, hey, would you give us a sense of how many hours you spend on these types of activities? We basically just asked the question in a different way, asking them to self-audit. And when we categorize uh, for them uh, based on their own uh, view of their calendar, it's really more like 60% of an information worker's time is spent on work about work non-creative time. And that ladders back to a McKinsey study that was done a few years ago that um, that says the same exact thing. So now we validate it with data. It's just a huge problem. So man, what if that's wrong? What if it's half that? Still, there's a lot of new value in terms of 
output and engagement, happiness, retention that you can get by reducing all the old fashioned nonsense related to getting things done. Yeah. I think about this all the time with our customers where like when we do our customer success meetings, like weekly or, or every, every other week or whatever with our customers. And I'm always like, it's funny how a conversation with someone internally is like, Hey, you know, just go and check the stat, like, you know, no status updates, just go check the status. Right. But when you talk to a customer, right, like they're not in your org. So it's all those, it's like an old school style meeting. It's like, Hey, where are we at on this? Where are we at on that? Where are we at on this? Like, um, it reminds me of, you know, the same sort of thing of, you know, like why, you know, Salesforce is a CRM. Uh, and obviously they're our awesome sponsor, but like the same thing of like how much of sales was being done selling versus like cataloging sales. And then it was like, well, then how much is being done in Salesforce to like make updates. And then now with like AI and ML and, you know, things like that. But it's just, you see the, the, the evolution of what people expect from technology. Um, but then you still have these other meetings where, you know, you're doing that stuff. But for us, you know, like we already have stuff internally. Um, you see it in the external meetings. And I just always think it's funny when you, when you look at people's calendars that are, that are PMs and it's like, they don't have, they don't have three hours to themselves in a given week. It is meeting after meeting after meeting. All of those are either 30 minutes or an hour or more. Like there's like all of these units of measure that (laughs) are just pre-described. Um, and it just makes no sense. And what they're really doing is they're influencing which means that they're trying to get their set of facts out in the world to maybe get on somebody's priority list. They're trying to get clear on priorities that are cross-cutting organizations. That's all the kinds of stuff that can be done in software and doesn't require meetings. So there's a, there's a new, one of the reasons I'm really passionate about our work here at Asana is I come from being a product manager for a long, long time. And I know what it feels like to have to spend your whole day influencing and then spend your morning or night hours actually building the product. Um, that's work about work. And that is something where if you get everybody on the same page, everybody knows what we're headed for. The, or the priorities are very clear at the top level, all the way at the, down to the project level. It saves so much time and it actually feels more fun because there's less politicking. There's less, um, there's less opportunities to lose trust. It's actually, no, you signed up to do that. These are the priorities we're operating under. It feels easier to collaborate instead of harder. Well, I think... Um, and I, and I want to get into some of your time, but into it, um, here before we, before we get out of here. But I think that part of the reason why it's easier in that way is because it's a forcing function for the leaders to do their jobs. Like, that's the thing is like, it's way easier as a leader to just show up to a weekly meeting and just be like, what do you got for me? Right. So my, one of my, one of my old bosses in the military used to call it, you either have a push meeting or a pull meeting. And it's like a pull meeting is I have to pull everything out of all of you of like giving me this stuff. And then a push meeting is you all push me the information and then we can like make action, you know, like make decisions in real time on that stuff. And I think the the third option of that is this thing where we already know all the tasks, like where we are, our status on everything. And you go into the meeting um, ready to tackle tough solutions, create solutions, things like that. Um and I think it's just, it's so clear that 
we need this next evolution of work because uh, like otherwise we're we're stuck in the uh the endless uh endless scroll of meeting updates the best status meetings aren't status meetings at all they're where folks walk in and they know from glancing at something for a minute or two exactly the status of everything and then the leader instead of just receiving information everybody agreeing on the status and walking out the door the leader can flex their the socratic method which is how i lead and how i've seen other amazing leaders uh conduct themselves as well it's like how might we like what are the these are the facts on the table how can we work together in a different more creative way are we really pushing this innovation as far as it possibly could go um the the leader can be more of a content a thought leader push the team not just on speed but on um the the greatness of the thing that they're creating um meetings can just be so much more purposeful and that sounds like that's what you're getting at as well well yeah too and it takes some of the the politics out of it where you're saying hey what do, what roadblock do i need to do like this is one of the, this is what every single um you know mid-level manager always feels like it's like my boss could solve this problem if she emails one person. It would take 45 seconds to solve this one problem. And it's going to take me seven meetings and all that sort of stuff, right? But if you're if you're coming to those meetings with that and you're saying like, hey, this is the exact thing that I need you to do. And in the meeting, she can just sit there and do it, right? Then it's like, oh, we actually took action. Um and I think that those sort of like working meetings are, are going to be more of the future. I will, oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I love what you said there, because I think that Asana actually becomes a platform where if you take the stance that of servant leadership, which is how can I unblock the team, get them what they need to move faster instead of like tops down, um, you have the facts at hand to be able to do that. It makes space on your calendar to be able to do that better. And you have the platform of being able to ask broad questions that pushes the team and have the answers become part of the plan of record of the actual project. Um, I find that much more fun as a way to work with teams. I want to talk into it quickly. Um, any uh, any insights or, or stories or anecdotes from... Uh, from helping Intuit go from uh, you know shrink wrap product to to SaaS, um, that over the years uh, from when you were there, that that uh, you kind of carry with you now as looking back when you had your PM hat on. The shift from the desktop product to the online product, um, you know that I'm very thankful that Intuit did that in service of small businesses. I am a person who grew up in Rochester, New York. Um, and it sticks with me that if I were to go visit Rochester, New York now, much of the actual land space that used to be Eastman Kodak has now been destroyed, become parks, now rented by other small businesses. There was just a massive disruption. So um, I take that to heart and I am always looking for um opportunities to be disrupted and opportunities to disrupt. That is probably one of the biggest, like top two or three things that was the big aha for how I lead as a product leader. QuickBooks did a nice job and Intuit did a nice job of making sure they didn't get disrupted by capitalizing on this great insight that accountants and small businesses really collaborate 
when it comes to finances. Actually, the way that they use QuickBooks, the way they use the tool is an accountant does some stuff. And then somebody in the office who works for the company does some stuff. And they, they, there's a back and forth. Instead of sending files or uploading a file and downloading a file, that product really was set on fire because of the cloud. Yeah, they, they, totally. Able to deliver the benefit of like, you know, the, the finances just get done easier um, with less hassle because of the cloud. So they capitalized on it. But it requires a big organizational change to, to you know, totally pivot the, the priorities, the form factor and the tech of a business. And it was fun and educational for me to be part of and lead part of um, that transition. Last question before we get into our lightning round. How much do you see customer feedback um, to drive innovation on the product here at Asana versus like in-house experiments? Because I think, you know, it reminded me um, in your Intuit example, like, you know, there was probably not a people that were clamoring for a cloud solution because they didn't necessarily know what that was yet. People didn't really know what it was. So they just probably wanted, you know, better products. But there is this kind of fine line of how do we use customer feedback versus, you know, the people that are running experiments on your team? Yeah, good question. Uh, yeah, I think if Intuit had listened, it would have just created a better desktop product for years and years and years. Yeah, exactly. There still is a desktop product that lots of people love, but really the future is what they capitalized on. So, I mean, it has to be a balance. I'll tell you how we build the roadmap here at Asana. Um, every series of months, I get a single stacked ranked list from uh, Chris Farinacci, who you've interviewed before. Yeah, he's, he's our, on, on Mission Daily with, with our CEO, Stephanie. He produces a single stacked ranked list across all the channels and customer touch, touch points of what he thinks the biggest customer problems are to go solve. I take that and married up with what we're learning in the field from our user research team and what our product vision is. Those are the two things that we use to create the roadmap. We don't just like take the straight up customer feedback. Vision plays a very, very important role. And our vision we published to the world about a year and nine months ago. It's asana.com slash vision. And we talk about how individuals, teams, and organizations can be more efficient by reducing work about work. And what are the benefits of that? Um, so... There are some things that we do that are incremental to solve customer pain. There are some things that we do that expand the market opportunity, but we're really more trying to play the long game of helping teams succeed, innovating into a new category. That makes it a particularly fun place to be as a product builder because we're not a me too product. Um, it's not clear how the future of information work gets done for a billion information workers, but we get to innovate in this space and our ideas matter. So it's fun. Let's get into the lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like the Salesforce platform, you can go to salesforce.com to learn more about how awesome platform is. We love them. They've been a sponsor from the very beginning of IT Visionaries. 300 and 50,000 downloads ago um, on our journey together. We love Platform. Check them out. Lightning round questions. Alex, are you ready? Ready. Number one, what app are you using on your phone that's the most fun? I just got the new iPhone. So photos are so much better. 
Um, and I have young kids, so I just take a thousands, thousands and thousands of pictures of them. Uh, so that, that makes it fun. Isn't it so cool when you get that teaser email from Google that shows you a couple of images from your past? I just, that's such a great feature. It's really good. Yeah, it's so good. And in fact, my wife and I, we forward each other basically what it is like spam because it's got these amazing memories of our kids as babies. And uh, so I'm just really loving the new photo capabilities and the new iPhone and how it manifests in software. It's great. Do you have a favorite book or podcast that you've read or listened to recently? Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm really excited about this concept of flow state, which is kind of a, it's a funny word, you know, kind of a feels like a new age word, but really what it is, is it's the science and psychology around how individuals do their best work. I described some of those the drivers that allow individuals to do their best work. Um, there's a academic named Chicks Mahahi who, um, who wrote a bestseller named Flow mm-hmm. on it. And we're just imagining what it would take to get workers into this flow state. Like what, how do we get people to do their best work? Well, I'll tell you the form factor that information workers use to do their work hasn't been iterated on in the last 25 years. It's really the Microsoft office suite, which includes PowerPoint slides, document editor, which is kind of like created around printing things. Um, uh, a simple database, um, there's and, and spreadsheets. There's a whole other way that we could possibly be working to get our thoughts down, to share our thoughts, to track who's doing what by when, um, to hold each other accountable, to actually create a shared culture that just hasn't been tapped yet because that form factor, that archaic form factor is still out there. So I'm looking forward to being part of the team that innovates in that. I love that idea of flow, like there's no bad flow, right? It's like if a, if a, like a house has a good flow or like a team has a good flow or like a rapper has a good flow, like there's, there's no bad version of it. Uh, it's a great word, but it, it is a great, like, we all know what that feels like when you're working and you're like, you know, jamming on stuff. Uh, and surprise, surprise, it's either you're not distracted or you're in a group of people uh, and all working together and collaborating. It's like pretty much one of those two things, uh, deep work or like, de- like deep collaboration. Uh, no, I love that. I'll check it out. I haven't read the book though. I'll check it out. You know, a synonym to flow, it's really focus. You know, we've all felt that time when you've been able to dive into your work and then time starts to fly away and you feel you, you're not, your ego isn't involved with what you're doing. You're just like knocking things out and feeling really good about the things that you're doing. And often that happens in your craft. Um, And then teams feel that when handoffs get really smooth, you can finish each other's sentences. It's high trust. Everybody knows who's doing what. And then organizations benefit when teams feel that way because they have high high engagement and hit their goals. You can finish each other's sandwiches. Uh, Speaking (laughs) of sandwiches, uh, what's your favorite thing to cook or eat? Um, I spend a lot of time up in Maine in the summer, so lobster. What do you do for fun? I am a dad with young kids, 
So uh, what they think is fun is what I think is fun. My son and I, we love to build Legos and uh, and create things together, which is awesome. My daughter uh, is a budding musician, so um, we we like to sing together and, and jam together. Um, and then my wife and I like to get out, get away from all that every now and then. And we have a weekly standing date night, which I recommend to anybody. Best advice for a first-time head of product? Best advice for a new head of product is what think very carefully about the composition of your team. What are the mindsets that that team has and what are the skill sets that they bring to the table? Because that will manifest itself. Their perfections and imperfections will manifest itself in the product. If they are not end-to-end thinkers, then your product will show all the unsightly seams. Um, If they are uh, ego-driven, then maybe you can tell that a product might be micro-optimizing on a few things, maybe driven by a couple individual product product managers instead of something more global. Um, If something doesn't feel like the product is really delivering on a benefit that you care about, it might be that the folks on your team aren't particularly strategic or aren't willing to really be open to learning new things and new, open to new data that might pivot their own strategy. So all this is saying, man, folks with a growth mindset who are humble, open, curious, hardworking, you can tell the products that are built by people who are like that. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? How can I help? How can you help? Indeed. Um, this was great. Alex, thanks for coming on. Everybody check out Asana. And it, you can you can, uh, you can can demo for free, right? Yeah, we have a free product. Uh, we got millions of free users. There's there's always like, you know, paid tiers and things like that once you try it out. But hey, if you're newly in charge of something and you are sick of work about work, give Asana a try. It's just a different way of working, but it, uh, it really brings a lot of new clarity um, to your team. Um, and I bet you after your team starts to use it for a couple of weeks, you'll see a difference. Awesome. Everybody should check it out. Alex, thanks for coming on. Any final thoughts? Thanks for having me. All right. Take care. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce customer 360 platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experience, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.